we have been in a series called Values of the Cross. And as I've mentioned, that, that series, Values of the Cross, is uh, not every value of the cross, but values of cross church. And I think I probably said this last week, but we think we value everything that the cross stands for and represents. But we want to highlight a few things. And this is the ninth in a ten-part series. And I'm not sure if I'll do part ten next week or save that for another time or maybe even do an abbreviated version of that. But going to look at the ninth part this week. I'm going to turn your attention to Acts chapter 13. We were in Acts 6 last week, looking at Acts 13 this week. A somewhat familiar passage of Scripture, no doubt. But it says this, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. So for just a little bit this week, I'm going to preach on this topic, strategic church planting strategic church planting and throughout this I will probably tell a little bit of our story which some of you've heard in detail and I'll kind of tie in some pieces as it fits what we're looking at today. I don't know if you've ever had uh, a hermit crab. Anybody ever had a hermit crab? Anybody? We, we had a couple of hermit crabs. They didn't last very long. I think they died like within 24 hours and that, that's, that's kind of normal for hermit crabs. You can buy them and they die. But hermit crabs, as best I can tell, are called hermit crabs because they like to be by themselves. In the sense that they go and get a shell and they want to live in this shell by themselves and they don't want anything else in their shell but them. And so they call them hermit crabs because they're just in this little, this little shell and Sometimes as they grow, they'll get a bigger shell. And you, anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have any? I got at least one person. Maybe two people have a clue what I'm talking about. Well, I'll, 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 that's a bad illustration. Obviously, when you don't know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't illuminate anything, guess what? It's not an illustration. It's just a waste of time. Uh, but uh, how many of you are introverts? Anybody introverts here? If you're an introvert, you might not want to raise your hand. Okay, got a couple of people. How many extroverts do we have? A few extroverts. I am I am somewhere in the in between. When I'm not around people, I'm fine. But when I want I'm around people, I want to stay there. But if I'm not with them, oh well, no big deal. But man, as soon as I get around them, my gregarious nature kicks in, and I want to be around people. And even introverts want to be around people. They just want to be around people on their own schedule, maybe, and at their own time. And when they've had fully been recharged, and they can get around people, and we are. We are born and raised to be around people, that we need people. We don't live in isolation, but we have to have one another. And so 
we need to be in a group of people. And it is partly because of that and, and a number of other things, but this, this fact is true that churches are important to God. And, and by churches, I mean local churches. I, I mean not just the big churches everywhere that's of all people that have ever uh, been saved and come into a, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ through the new birth. Not just that, but Every local church that preaches the name of Jesus and preaches the word of God, God cares about them and they are important to him. And part of the reason that they are important to God is because we are wired to be in relationship, wired to be connected with one another, that we need people. You cannot live in isolation because if you live in isolation like the hermit crab, you begin to die, you begin to uh, denigrate and to uh, go backwards in your thinking or go backwards in your social skills and all of the other things that go with that. You need to be around people. The apostles planted churches. They didn't make disconnected disciples. When the disciples would go into an area, and is it just me or is this mic cutting out really bad today? But the apostles, when they were planting churches, they they didn't just go and and make a group of disciples or an individual disciple here and an individual disciple there and an individual disciple over here and say, good luck in making it to heaven. But everywhere that they went, they established churches. And a church is a group of people who are followers of Jesus Christ. And, And people, because they're made to be in relationship, guess what? That in your spiritual journey, you have to be in a church. You have to be connected with a group of people. The psalmist said this. He said that God sets the solitary in families. What does that mean? It's that people that have no family, people that don't have anybody else, they're all alone. God puts them in families. And in essence, that is what a church is, is God taking the solitary and people that have been disconnected and now they're part of the body of Christ and he puts them in families and those families are called churches. The church is God's plan A for the world. It is what God plans to use to reach the world. It is what he has planned and what he has used to reach our world. And that means then that church planting is important. That means that church planting is part of the strategic plan of God, that he plants churches because he wants to gather people. And I would tell you this, that that almost every church out there Well, let me back up. Every local church out there, I can say it this way, every local church had a beginning. It may have been a new church plant where somebody showed up in town and they started preaching the gospel and they started gathering people. That's one way to do it. There have been other ways people have do it called church splits where we're going to take a group and we're just going to go, we're not too happy right here and we're going to go over somewhere else we're going to start our own church. But they planted a new location or a new church and now they call it multi-church where you do it on purpose, where you take a group of non-disgruntled people and you take them over into a different area so they can reach people with the gospel. But every church has a beginning. Every local church was new at some point. 
no matter how big or how small, every church was new, which means that church planting is imperative in the kingdom of God. It is part of God's strategic plan. So I I want to look at the passage that I read to you and give you five or six truths about that. And and I will hurry. It's 11.06. I'm not going to take 10 minutes on each point here. But the first thing that I would tell you is this, is that church planting is revealed through relationship with God. It is revealed through relationship with God. Verse 2 says this, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. I have never heard of anybody going, you know, I was just I was just hanging out playing games and all of a sudden God spoke to me and said, go do something great. It is almost always when you're doing something spiritual or when you're having a, a, a time of prayer or when you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ that he speaks and he calls you to do something. That the, the concept of planting churches is revealed through relationship. And if you want to know the will of God, I had a missionary tell this to me one time. He said, if you really want to know what God wants you to do, he will not let you miss it. Think about it. If you are in relationship with him and you want to know, he's not going to hold it back from you. Now, there have been plenty of times where people say, I want to do the will of God. But what they really want is for God's will to be what they already want. But but if you really want to do God's will and you really want to know God's will, guess what? He will let you know. He's not in the business of hiding his plan from you. Now, he may not give you every step. He may may not tell you all the things that you're going to do. And sometimes he doesn't even tell you the end result. He just says, here's the next step. Sometimes he doesn't give you the next step until you need it. and And he just tells you the end. But whatever it is, he will always tell you his will when you want to know it, if you really want to know his will. And it is revealed through relationship. And I would tell you this, that the Bible says that he who is faithful in little will be faithful over much. That's what Jesus said. And that when you want to do something great and something big for God, guess what? You have to be faithful in the little thing. Because if you're not faithful in the little thing, the converse is also true. If you're unfaithful in little, guess what? You'll be unfaithful in much. But Jesus said, if you're faithful in little, you will be. If, you're, if you care enough to be faithful in the little thing that God gives you, then you're going you're gonna to be faithful in that big thing that he lets you do. That big thing he lets you be a part of. He will make you you will be faithful in much, but it's revealed through relationship. I, I was working for uh, the United States Postal Service in Lee Summit. This would have been 1991. And I take that, I'm sorry, it was 1993. I, I'm, I was working at the Postal Service. I was sitting at a church. My dad was pastor of a church. I'm sitting on the platform. It was a Wednesday night, a midweek service. And, and for those of you that haven't been around a long time and haven't gone to midweek services, uh, they're usually not as spiritual a lot of times as Sunday services, which today that would be a bad deal because if, if a midweek service was much less spiritual than this, man, we'd be having trouble uh, 
You guys all right out there? <laughs> Just making sure you're awake. And I'm sitting on the platform. I, I had played the drums or whatever I was doing that night, and I was sitting on the platform. And in the middle of church, I heard a voice say, quit your job and go full-time doing outreach. Now, I'm not going to tell you that it was an audible voice of God. But I would just tell you this. It was so vivid that I turned around to see who was behind me talking. Nobody, of course, was there. It was God that had spoken to me. And like I said, I I don't know that I could say it was audible, but it was so so powerful and vivid that I, I was looking around. It took me two months to actually quit my job. At the post office, I had a good job. I talked to people, and almost everybody said, man, God's just testing you to see if you're willing to do it. He doesn't really want you to quit. I even had somebody tell me, and they, they were, you know, and I love them to this day, and I, and I would seek counsel from them, but they told me this. They said, it's probably like Abraham and Isaac. God didn't really want Abraham to kill Isaac. He just wanted to see if he would get all the way and be willing to do it. But in the course of time, God let me know that it's either quit my job Or I would lose out with him. Because there was no doubt what he had said. There was no doubt what he had spoken to me. But the point is this. It happened in church. It happened when I was in the midst of doing something spiritual. It happened in the midst of furthering my relationship with him. And God speaks and reveals his will through relationship. When I felt the call of God to come to Kansas City or to to plant a church, it was in church. I was at church, and God spoke in the middle of that. It's through relationship. Let me hurry. Second thing is this, is that the calling of God and the, the, the concept of planting churches is initiated by the Spirit. Verse 2 says this, The Holy Spirit said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to do. God is the one who initiates this. It's not like I I just decide it's a good idea or somebody just decides it's a good idea, but the Holy Spirit will lead and the Holy Spirit will initiate what it is that you should do. And it is true. The Bible says it's a faithful saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires something good. That's true. But he doesn't say if you desire it, just go out and do it. If you desire it, it's a good thing. If you want to plant churches, it's a good thing. But it must be initiated by the Spirit. And God does the calling whenever we make ourselves available to Him. I I closed last week, or near the end of my message, with this question. Does God call the equipped, or does He equip the called? Is it... Is it an either or? Does he, does he do this either or? What I would tell you, and I think I said it this way, the answer is yes. But I would, I would also tell you that part of what God does is he sometimes doesn't tell you that he has called you. He leads you to get equipped. And then after you're equipped, he says, oh, by the way, this is what I'd planned for you all along. 
that he, he really, he's got something that he wants you to do, but he just doesn't tell you about it, but he just leads you and guides you and say, why don't you prepare? Why don't you learn this? And why don't you get involved in this over here? And now once you've done all of that, he says, this is what I want you to do. But it's not that you just all of a sudden became so awesome that he said, man, I think I can use them. No, he leads you to become so awesome. That God is at work in this process. So whether he calls you and says, this is what I want, now go get ready to do it, or you just get ready for something and then I will tell you what I want. Whichever way it is, God is in the business of equipping those who he has called to do the work. It is initiated by the Spirit. And no matter how equipped you may be, he's not going to call you if he doesn't want to call you. No matter how good you think you are. And if you ever get to the place where you think, man, I'm so good, God really needs me. He doesn't really need you. He chooses to use you, but he doesn't really need you. And I would say that he chooses to use me, but he doesn't really need me. I think I said it last week. Maybe I didn't say it this way. I've told people before, if God can use a donkey, he can use you. <laughs> think about how if he, if he, can, he can even use you. If he, anyway, some of you may get it later. But here's, but here's the deal. What we have here is this initiation by the Spirit. It is the, the spiritual gifts at work. That God doesn't just... Right, he didn't write it on the wall. And I, and I doubt that what they heard was a voice that just out of the blue, out of the corner somewhere, and there's nobody there that says, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul. God could do that. God could speak in an audible voice so that everybody there could hear that. It is possible. It is sometimes what God has done. But I would tell you this, more likely what is really taking place here is either tongues or interpretation of tongues or it's a word of prophecy that God speaks through somebody and says, thus saith the Lord, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul. And the reason that's important is because anything that is initiated by the Spirit is almost always confirmed by the church. And that's the third point. It's that the church will confirm what it is that God is saying. That any time you solo just decide that this is what God wants and this is what God is doing, you set yourself up for failure. But when the church, the body of Christ, comes alongside and says, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what God is leading you to do. We see this confirmation by the church in verses 1 and 3. It says, now the church, there was in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. That's important. You, for the most part, and me, you don't see Lucius anywhere else or Simeon or Manaean. There, there may be one or two other places in the Bible where you even see their names. But there were important people in the church at Antioch. They were important people, and so the Bible lists them out. So when you question whether Barnabas and Saul are really supposed to be out doing this, hey, man, the prophets at Antioch said we should be doing this. And they, are, they can appeal to the people that were there that everybody knows and everybody respects. So there were certain prophets and teachers, and they were ministering to the Lord as well. Verse 3, though, then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. That it wasn't just 
God saying, go and do this. But after these leaders at the church at Antioch fasted and prayed, they confirmed exactly what it was the Spirit was saying in their life, and they laid hands on them and sent them away. Laying hands is, is symbolic of a number of things. It's, it's a transfer of, at, at times of both positive and negative things when it comes to the sacrifices in the Old Testament and the scapegoat. And, how, and if you've never heard that, we'll get into that at some point later. But where the priest would lay hands on the animals and the sins would be passed to this animal that would go out into the wilderness and die. Where God, the sins of the people were pushed out. Laying on of hands symbolizes blessing. It symbolizes passing on of something that, that from one generation to the next. It's a symbolic thing, but it, it also symbolizes a commissioning. And so when the prophets and, and the teachers at Antioch, when they laid hands on them, what they said was, this is the will of God for you to go out and do this. They were commissioning them in the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost to go out and do something. The church always confirms God's call. It's never done in a vacuum, but it takes the people of God confirming the word of God to send people out into the harvest field. It's what God has designed. It is the way in which he operates. Fourthly, they were directed by the Spirit. Now, I realize you may be saying, okay, so... He's up there, he's planning this church, he's trying to convince us that, man, he's here in the will of God. Now, that's not what I'm trying to do. I don't think you would be here if you didn't believe I was here in the will of God. And I think it's the will of God for you to be here. But where I'm going with all of this is this is a value of cross church. That this is not the end of what God wants to do with cross church Kansas City. This is not it. It's not even that he wants to grow this and fill this place up. It's not that he wants to grow another building. But what he wants to do is to use this as a hub to send out people to plant churches all across Kansas City and reach the kingdom, reach the city for the kingdom of God. That's why I'm even talking about this. I don't need to pat myself on the back and say, man, I've been commissioned and God called me and this is all about me. No, this is all about the kingdom. And ultimately, this is about what you can do in the kingdom and how you can get involved and when it's time that you can go to the next town over and plant a church. That we can go into Kansas City, Kansas, or we can go up to, to Leavenworth, or we can go to Gardner, or wherever it is that we happen to go next, that when the time is right, that we will strategically plant new churches and more churches for the kingdom of God. That's what it's about. But it is a, a process that is directed by the Spirit. Verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went to Seleucia and from there to Cyprus. And, and I would tell you this, that it is not just they, they randomly decided to pick places on a map. That the Spirit is sending them on a path. The Spirit is sending them on a, a journey. The Spirit is saying, I want you to go out and plant churches and be missionaries. But don't just go anywhere. Go where I tell you. We know that later Paul is getting ready to go to one place. He, he's, he thinks this, this is the place I need to go. And he has a vision that's called the Macedonian vision of a man in Macedonia. And said, come over here. We need help. Come help us. 
And Paul says, well, that's where I'm going because the Spirit is leading me to go to Macedonia. I don't want to go to Macedonia, but the Spirit says, come. And so he goes to Macedonia. When I felt the call to plant a church, and I'll use my story as an illustration, I really, and of course this has been a long-term call, but when I felt God zeroing it in and saying it's time to go, it's time to get ready to do this. Some of you may have heard this story, but, but I, I was in a service, as I mentioned earlier, halfway through the, the sermon that the, of the guy that was preaching, I was on a website going, all right, Lord, where do you want me to go? And I'm looking at this list of target cities going, what, where, where am I going? Well, I, I, I see these three places. The guy was from Southern California that was preaching, and I was in Los Angeles, was on the list, and I said, Lord... Maybe that's where I'm supposed to go because I'm feeling this unction to do this in the middle of this man's preaching. He's casting a vision for Southern California and the the millions of people there that need Jesus. Maybe that's it. Then I I see Kansas City on the list, and and it it resonated with me. Obviously, we were living in St. Louis at the time, but I'd lived here for seven years. My wife was born and raised here. And I look at that, and I'm like, man, I I can't imagine. I didn't even can't even fathom Kansas City's on this list of target cities but surely God's not calling us to Kansas City I love Kansas City God's going to be sending us somewhere we don't even like I mean if you've been around church at all you've probably heard this whole song please don't send me to Africa you know Lord do anything you want to me but please don't send me to Africa well I'm like so we have this idea that God's going to send us somewhere we don't want to go I'm like, man, he can't be Kansas City. I love Kansas City. Go Chiefs. And then I see Chicago on the list, and and a friend of mine pastored in Chicago, and we talked a long time. We'd actually been talking since 2007 off and on about that if I left the current ministry I was doing, that maybe I would end up in Chicago and plant a church there in the next city over from him and so I left that service knowing that God wanted me to do it. It was time, and knowing the program and the process that he wanted me to use, but I, I didn't really know where. And so, to be honest with you, I was thinking, this, this is my thought process, process, if I could be transparent. I was like, man, Los Angeles would take a ton of money. The cost of living there and for us to leave St. Louis and go to Los Angeles, and it's a total different culture. I was like, but if that's what he wants me to do, I'll go, but I don't know about that. And Kansas City, I, he can't be calling me there because, like I said, I love Kansas City. It's got to be Chicago. So I, I, talk, I talked to my friend, and then he called me like every other day. He's like, man, are you, are you coming? Are you coming? I was like, I don't know. Now, now this wasn't a lengthy period of time. It was... A Thursday night at this conference I was in where I felt God said it's time to do this. The Wednesday night, 14 days later, if you count the Thursday, 14 days later, I'm thinking Chicago. I've got, I've got the map, and I've looked at the map. I've laid out things, and I've been talking to this guy, and I've been praying. It was a Wednesday night. My wife and I had prayed, and I rolled over to go to sleep. And God said, don't rule out Kansas City. I'm like, I won't rule out Kansas City. 
by the end of October, that was October 9th, by the end of October, it was like Kansas City's where we're going. And I was planning on staying on the Missouri side. But in November, a guy said to me, he's like, don't, and this was, this was the leader of our organization, he said, don't rule out Kansas. Almost exactly word for word what God spoke to me. He said, I'd keep praying about that. And I resisted that for a variety of reasons. But by the end of December, I was like, we're going to Kansas. We're going to be on the Kansas side. And then we narrowed it down to Olathe. But the point is this. It's not just picking, putting your finger on a map. It's got to be directed by the Holy Ghost. It's got to be directed by the Spirit of God that, that whatever it is you're doing, whether it's planting churches or if it's just getting involved in some ministry or if it's helping the homeless, it needs to be directed by the Spirit of God. That God will direct you. He will instruct you. He will give you and tell you what it is that He wants you to do. Let me hurry. Fifthly, planting churches is implemented strategically. Verse 5, and when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. And I'm going to pull another principle from that verse here in just a moment. But understand this, that Antioch is a strategic location in the Roman Empire. In fact, it was the third most influential city in the Roman Empire. You had Rome, and then you had Alexandria, Egypt, and then you had Antioch. They get to Antioch only because of persecution in Jerusalem. That the Jews are trying to kill the Christians in Jerusalem, so they flee, the Bible says in chapter 11, they flee from Jerusalem, and many of them land in Antioch. And Antioch becomes, in, in most ways, the headquarters of the church. It moves from Jerusalem to Antioch, and now Antioch, the third largest city in the Roman Empire, is and it's actually the first city of the east, as they refer to it. The first city of the eastern part of the empire. Now it's the head of the church. And it's at Antioch where they were first called Christians. Before that, they were just called people of the way. They were just this, these Jewish people that were following the way. And then, and then at Antioch, they finally started calling them Christians. The Bible tells us that in Acts chapter 11. And so Antioch is a strategic and an important city. And I would tell you this, that the way in which they go about planting churches, when they left Antioch, they had a specific destination in mind, and when they get there, they had a strategic plan in mind. In fact, it is what Paul almost always did when he would get to a city. You know what he would do? He wouldn't go find the pagans. He would go find the Jews. He would show up in the synagogue of the Jews and he would preach Christ. And the reason he did that is because all of these other people, they had all kinds of gods. They're not looking for a, a specific Savior. They, they just, any God will do for them. But he goes to the Jews because they're looking for a Savior. And he would strategically make sure that he went to the synagogue and he would tell, hey, the Savior and the Messiah that you've been looking for, guess what? He's come. And he would preach Jesus Christ to them and and he didn't always have great success, but he did have some, and then he would start his own thing. In essence, he would start his own church. And for those of you that aren't uh, familiar with this, a synagogue, in essence, is a Jewish church. It took the place of the temple. And so they would gather together. The Jews would gather together there and worship. 
but he went to people that were already hungry, already looking for a Messiah. But church planting must be strategic. It's not just going in any place at any time and anywhere. It's going where God directs, and when God directs, guess what? He's very strategic. And so when you follow the plan of God, everything will work out. As Anthony comes, the, the sixth thing that they did, the sixth principle is this. Church planting is accomplished by a team. Saul, or Paul, as he becomes known, did not go by himself. He had Barnabas with him. But not only was it Saul and Barnabas, but they also had John, the Bible says, as their assistant. This is John Mark who would, along this journey, he would bail out on them. And Paul was very unhappy with him, but at the end of his life, he said, man, make sure you tell John Mark. I want to see him because he is profitable for ministry. Even though John Mark got homesick and left in the middle of this first journey, he became mighty for God. But the point is this, it's not a solo project. It's always done in a team. Jesus said almost 2,000 years ago, standing looking out over the vast harvest of souls. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. It's not something you do by yourself. He didn't say, pray that he'll send a laborer. No, but pray that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. But I would also tell you, it, it's not enough to be in the harvest. We have to be effective in our laboring. I don't want to just be busy. I don't want to be just going, man, I, I've, been, I've been doing all kinds of things and they're for the kingdom. It's not bad, but it's not good. I don't want to be busy and get nothing accomplished for God. I want to be an effective laborer in the harvest. Reaching people that do not know Jesus or do not know the fullness of truth, that's what I want to be doing. I don't even just want to be talking to them. I don't want to go, I shared the gospel with 572 people and none of them got saved. That's not any good. say, man, I shared the gospel with somebody today. And they've experienced a new birth. They, I, I want to be effective. And I know, I know you can't, you're never going to be 100% effective. Paul wasn't. Peter wasn't. Jesus wasn't. But I don't want to go through a life of ministry and go, well, I sure was busy. I want to go through a life of ministry and say, man, look at all these people who are going to heaven. And, and it's, not, it's not just, as I said, it's, it's not even about me. It's about the kingdom. 
And if I reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ and they reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ and they reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then when we're working together, when we're laborers in the harvest together, the kingdom will be expanded. The kingdom will grow. I'm almost done, not quite. Would you, would you just lift your hands where you are right now? Jesus, we love you. Spirit, your presence, your power to speak into us right now. calling people not only to a closer walk with you, a closer relationship with you, but your spirit is calling, Lord, because you have something great in store and something great in mind of what you want to do, what you want to accomplish in them. Lord, whether it's just evangelism or whether it's being part of the next church plant, whatever it is, Lord, you're calling them to a higher place relationship and a higher place of commitment to you. Lord, you're instilling in the hearts of your people, Lord, a love for the lost, a love for truth, a desire to see people saved with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let your spirit work. 